Welcome back, everyone. You're watching EFT Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified EFT supervisor and therapist here in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. We are super excited to welcome to our show. We have Dr. Sam Penich. He is one of the co-founders for the Northern California Community for EFT. He's also the trainer for the San Francisco Center for EFT. And he helps raise up EFT communities in Spanish-speaking countries around the globe. He is so amazing, and he offers a lot of wonderful teachings and workshops. And we're just so excited to have him today. So thank you, Sam, for being on our show. Thank you, Annabelle. It really is an honor to be here with you and with, the, with your viewers. Wonderful. So what we're going to talk about today, guys, is we're going to talk about the topic of forgiveness and how that fits into our model with EFT. And so, Sam, I was wondering if maybe you could start us off. When we say forgiveness, can you sort of give us kind of like a baseline definition of what we mean when we're talking about forgiveness? Well, you know, when we think about forgiveness, we're thinking about an end um, an end spot, an end place in a process. Forgiveness is a process. And if we're lucky, we get to a place where um, the person who we have injured, a person who we have hurt or injured in a particular way, um, feels, the, the, feels the, the expression of regret, feels the empathy. And, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but it, they get to a place where they can say, I get that you get my pain. I feel that you feel my pain. When the person who has been injured, and we're speaking about particular kinds of injuries, attachment injuries, which we can define, gets experientially that the person that has hurt them really deeply gets experientially the pain that they feel it's easier for them to let go of what holds them back, which is this, um, this doubt, this fear that their person is no, not really the person they thought they had been. This breach of trust can begin to heal. Trust can be rebuilt. Often, most often, especially with EFT, we can help couples to reconciliate but forgiveness does not guarantee reconciliation. And that's right. important for us to, to note. It's just a process that we go through to help couples um, try to repair and hopefully heal the hurt so that they can get back to the deep, loving connection that they always wanted to have with each other. And often after these repairs, after forgiveness um, happens, um, couples sometimes feel closer than they ever did. But Annabelle, one thing that I wanted to say at the outset is, when we talk about forgiveness, um, there is a bit of confusion that goes into it where the onus of the heavy lifting work, somehow, even just by the topic of forgiveness, seems to fall on the person who has been hurt. So not only, have you, not only are you the person who's been hurt, but then you also have to go through the process of forgiveness and it seems like wow, we are really asking for a lot from people who've been hurt. And so the process of attachment injury repair, which leads to forgiveness, really has to involve in a main way the person that caused the injury. And we have to work our magic with our 
you know, with our EFT skills and our deep empathy for both sides to be able to help get them through this process of forgiveness by helping the person who caused the injury to really fully experientially get the pain that they caused. So let me make sure that I capture everything that you just so wonderfully said. So what I think I hear you saying about forgiveness is that it's sort of letting go process and it involves empathy and an expression, an authentic expression of remorse, of guilt um, by the person committed your regret, by the person who has hurt another, committed some kind of, you know, injury in the relationship and the person who has been hurt, part of the forgiveness process is they will have an experience where it feels like the person who hurt them authentically gets their pain and that it hurts them. Causing them pain hurts the partner to where they have more of a felt sense that, well, if I know that hurting me causes you pain, then it feels safer to trust that you may not hurt me again. Can you Precisely. Feels absolutely, you're getting it exactly right. That if I can feel that the pain that you caused me also caused causes you pain and changes you too in a way, and that you are also equally afraid of the changes that have happened in our relationship, and I can see that, then maybe I can start to believe that you actually do love me, that you actually do feel regret and remorse and guilt and would and wish you had never done this, and would take it and wish you could like take you know go back in time and, and, and make different choices. If yeah. I can really fully get that, then the process of forgiveness is made easier. Yes. So let's talk a little bit more about the letting go process. And I'd like to maybe cover some thoughts of what forgiveness is not. Um, and it seems also, and we'll probably swing back around to this, that there's some more facets to forgiveness in addition to the pieces that we've discussed already. But um, I like this idea of a letting go process because when somebody has not forgiven, they hold on to the pain, they hold on to the injury. It can be sort of held over their partner's head, over the relationship's head, and it can sort of leave them in this place where they can be sort of, I don't know, maybe like chained to this emotional damage. Does that sound fair? Definitely. Yeah, a lot of couples um, stay very stuck. And in fact, when they come to therapy, um, they will sometimes not even mention the event that was most painful. Um, or they will maybe say so in passing, or they might mention it and the therapist might just write it down in their notes, but still they want to track the cycle. So they start doing EFT and it somehow sends a signal that that injury is, is uh, going to be something that maybe one day we can, we, we will talk about, but, um, but it's definitely something that couples stay uh, very uh, chained with, chained to, and it is hard to, in fact, it, it is actually what leads to, the cycle that typically brings couples to therapy. It is the attachment specific negative cycle. Yes. And so what I found with couples where, you know, the, the dynamic you just expressed is sometimes even the injuring partner 
has, you know, gone through all those steps, expressed the remorse, really feels that, lives that remorse out, that regret. They do everything they can to try to rebuild trust. They really own the pain and the mistakes. But the other partner just still hangs on. And that forgiveness has been a really hard part. And part of what I do, and you can help me if, if this is right, you know, so I sort of explore you know, the blocks and I find with the blocks are what our clients come to believe that forgiveness means. And so we'll swing this back around to what forgiveness is not, right? And most often, and you guys have probably heard this, is that a lot of clients will say, if I let go of this, then it means it will happen again. Or it's like saying my partner could do it again, right? Or, or it's like saying it's okay what they did. And from what I know about forgiveness is that's not true, right? So can you talk a little bit more about these myths around forgiveness? Well, there's a lot of myths. One is precisely the one that you said, which is if I, um, if I um, bring my guard down, I'm going to get hurt again. Now, that's true. That is, a, that is, a actual, that is not, it, maybe it's a myth in the sense that it's not guaranteed. But it makes, um, it makes psychological sense and it makes uh, biological sense. I mean, we are wired to stay safe. And, you know, uh, attachment is, is, is really a theory of, of trauma. And we are, in the, we are constantly in a process of staying safe and of assessing where we are safe. And if our partner suddenly becomes someone that we can't trust, then why would we lower our guard? And so what, what oftentimes people say is, if I forgive it'll just happen again. I'm sending a signal somehow that says what you did is okay and, um, and you'll just do it again. People have all of these fears about why, why forgiveness would potentially be dangerous to them. Now, this is especially true in stage one of EFT where people are very escalated and very angry and very hurt. And the person who has who has been hurt, who is, who is being really implored by their partner to forgive them, to move on. They're not ready to move on. They, they also, by the way, another, another one of these, what it isn't, is that if somehow we are open to entering into the process of forgiveness, that somehow it will mean that I won't be able to talk about my pain anymore, that somehow I'm gonna, be able, I'm gonna have to put it in a box and never touch it again which is also a myth. It's not true. In fact, the only way to forgiveness is to be able to really talk about your pain and to have your partner really listen to it um, empathically and to respond empathically, right? There's all kinds of ways that um, people who have been hurt hold their forgiveness, especially in stage one, in part also because I think of attachment injuries or um, especially like betrayals, as a, as a bruise to our brain, as our, a bruise to our, our, our view of the world, our view of self, our view of other, our internal working model is completely dysregulated. And, and, and at that moment, we have to make sense of our, of our world. We have to make sense of the calendar. That's why people who've been hurt ask all these questions. They want to know the details. When you said you were here on Tuesday, you were actually over there? Um, wait a minute, because on the calendar, it says this, it's like, it takes time. We, uh, our brains are very delicate organs. 
and it right. takes time for them to get reorganized. And it's so, it is so dysregulating because, you know, for a lot of clients, the very thing they thought was never possible in their marriage suddenly became, or the relationship suddenly became possible, right? So right. they're still trying to wrap their brain around it. And of course, you know, it's really going to make it so hard. They start questioning everything because, you know, oftentimes maybe their partner was really good at the deception, right? They thought everything was good. Maybe they, their partner gave them signals that things were good. And so then there becomes this trauma of how do I even believe those things? Because while we were hugging and kissing and canoodling at home and seemingly great, you were also off, you know, hugging and kissing somebody else, you know? So, and, and, you know, affairs aren't the only kind of attachment injuries, but, you know, swinging this back to that sense that if I forgive my partner, it means that, you know, I'm saying that somehow what they did was okay and I can no longer talk about my pain. And so I need to be attached to the pain because I need my partner to get how bad this hurt and that it's not okay. And forgiveness yes. is in any way saying what well, you did. Um, add a little bit more to what you're just saying, which is when you mentioned you're right, um, affairs are not the only kind of attachment injury. There's a lot of people who will say, you know what, I can't forgive because you do it in so many different ways. We're not talking about, about affairs here, but we're talking about every time that I am going to go through something that's difficult, something that's scary for me or painful for me or a big challenge, you, you somehow fail to be there for me. And it happens in this context and in this context and across context in these ways. So forgiveness becomes so big, so global, that it's hard for them to know even where to begin. Mm -hmm. And that's where the skilled EFT therapists come in. Because our job is to look for patterns and to help to identify their cycle and their patterns, especially in a time of need. What happens to the person who keeps failing their partner in a moment of need? And these are not just normal moments of need. It's not like, you know, you said you were going to pick up milk on the way home from work and you forgot. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about moments of extreme need for the presence and the accessibility and the responsiveness and the emotional engagement of their partner. And in that moment, the partner fails. It leaves an indelible mark of, I don't know who you are. I don't know if I can ever trust again. Um, but never again, never again is what they keep kind of saying to themselves, I can't forgive, I can't forgive, I can't let go right. because I'll get hurt again. That's really the number one reason. And it's not, um, it's not a bad interpretation. Oftentimes when people lower their guards without the repair work, that's mm -hmm. where it leads, yeah, it leads to more pain. And ironically, after a major attachment injury has occurred, then those small things like you, you said you were going to get milk and didn't suddenly now becomes another hedge along that same trauma, right? I used to believe before, but now I don't know if I can believe you. Were you at your lover's house and that's why you forgot milk? <laughs> you know? You're right. You're right. In fact, uh, attachment injuries make all cycles worse. So even something that would have caused much problem, maybe a little bit of an irritation, a small little argument, a quarrel, now is um, much bigger for both people, not only for the person who has been hurt, but also for the person who caused the hurt. They might become more reactive, more defensive. And, and that is uh, something that is really going to delay forgiveness. If right. you have caused a hurt, 
and you are not the person bringing up the topic, but instead you're the person who wants to bury it and never talk about it. And anytime it's brought up, you get defensive. Guess what? You just bought yourself many more months of not for, of non-forgiveness. That's um, it makes sense that they won't that they don't want to necessarily open it up to talk about it because it feels dangerous to them too. Right. But our job is to help people come towards their towards where it's most scary and most painful, and that's our skill. We help them talk about what they least want to talk about. Right. I love how you say all that. So you know, a couple really good things is it sounds like a. We're not even really going to focus on forgiveness till stage two. That'll come along with attachment injury repair. But we do have to work with the barriers to forgiveness in stage one and how the couple sort of dances around with this dynamic and how the attachment injury can amplify, um, you know, in some of the ways that this plays out, like you said, is where one partner wants to talk about it and the other partner doesn't want to talk about it. They want to, you know, and sort of what I tell my couples is, you know, if, if the one partner who's done the injuring has expressed some sort of authentic remorse and regret around this, you know, I might validate the reasons why they don't want to talk about it. It's kind of like rubbing their nose and their mistakes is what they often talk about. It feels like, and no one wants to have their nose smeared in it all the time, you know, but you know, when they try to shut it down and not talk about it, instead of talking about the guilt and pain that they have on the inside um, for having caused this hurt for their partner, they just shut it down, which then becomes that danger cue to my partner. It says, you don't care about my pain. It doesn't matter to you. You know, you don't want to be open to me. And that, that closed off cue, you know, really amplifies the betrayal of deception. You know, like you said, a lot of couples aren't even... The most damaging part often isn't even usually the the affair itself, but it's the deception involved in the affair, which is so damaging to trust. Absolutely. And the other thing is this. Um, what is most damaging to people is subjective. That's why um, we, we can't really assume what um, what is what needs to be forgiven. Um, and we can't assume what was the most painful piece. We have to explore it. Uh, it's not obvious. It's not always obvious. And for some couples, one thing might be very painful, and for another, it's not that painful. And they can manage it. And they can handle it pretty well. So it really is uh, something that we need to, you know, take our time and explore. But to your point, stage one of attachment repair, when dealing with the inability to forgive and the and the um, the need to keep going over the the event again and again, in some ways, that is something that we can interpret, we can use our attachment reframes. Our job is to really um, look for and process the attachment significance of the injury. And when we do that, when we keep doing that, what we're going to be able to develop then is a much deeper understanding of what triggers them now in their, in their attachment specific cycle and why the fight keeps going and why they can't repair. So yes, repair happens right as we enter into stage two, but all of stage one is still about de-escalating, de-escalation of the attachment specific um, injury, the attachment, I'm sorry, the injury specific cycle needs to be de-escalated. Um, by how? By doing what we always do. 
putting it in attachment terms, reframing the reactivity, reframing even the difficulty with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. We could talk about how if one person, you know, forgiveness is earned it's a, and it's a process. It's not an event. Yeah. So if we can help to put in attachment terms how it's so, it's so hard to let go, it's so hard to imagine that this can, wouldn't happen again, yeah. that, um, that will help at least the injuring person understand what is holding their partner back from moving, moving on when they're ready to move on. You know? yeah. and, and the reality is that no one can move on much faster than the other. You know, we have to kind of bring them along. We're like sheep herders, uh, yeah. therapists. We have to help them both go through the process together or else it's not going to work. Yeah, because it can almost like, you know, create another cycle when you've got one way up here and the other sort of lagging behind. And, you know, we want to help them move together, take the steps together. If they're, they're tangoing with each other, they've got to move together. That's right. That's exactly right. I love that you, you're talking about the tango because the, the steps towards forgiveness really uh, fit so beautifully within the uh, stage two tango. And, um, and when we, and just to quote Sue, our work is to help them hear a different melody, hear a different music so that they can dance to a different, um, to, they can start to dance a different set of steps. You know, if you change the music, you change the dance, is Sue Johnson's famous line. And it's so true. Um, when we can get to uh, a deeper understanding of what was going on even in the injuring person, yeah. what was going on with them emotionally, and they can both start to develop greater empathy for each other, then it's not about the, the you know, good person versus bad person and mm -hmm. innocent versus guilty. It's just two people in a human condition that are um, struggling and one takes a, makes a, a, a terrible decision or makes a terrible choice that ends up hurting the person they love the most. Um, those are the situations that we have to understand. Is how is that even possible? How could that have happened? And yeah. uh, helping them to really come talk about their feelings begins to change the music to which they are tangoing. I really love that. That's, that kind of brings us back to something I mentioned before about um, forgiveness. You know, there's there's several parts involved in that, and we've we've talked about a few of them already. About you know the person who did the injuring being able to express authentic regret and remorse, and really have a sense of a felt sense of the pain that lives in their partner. But additionally, and this is part of, um, you know, stage two where we're doing withdrawal re-engagement or pursuer softening is really examining and helping them to be open about what was happening for them emotionally. And this is often a huge trigger. This is part of their cycle anyway. It's because the person who's, if the person who's not open committed the injuring you know, that's already been a, a part of their cycle, even without the injury. And so they're continuing to be closed off as part of what makes it so scary for their partner because they're left in as a stranger in their partner's inner world. And it's that unknowing that seems so scary. Like, I don't know how to predict your emotional moves or what you're going to do because I have no idea how you tick or, or what's going on for you emotionally. And then I find out you 
did this thing that I never thought you could do. And now I really need to know, you know, what can drive you to make choices like that. Right. But, and so this is a very critical uh, point that you're bringing up for uh, EFT therapists, which is if we are going to do this work and we're going to open it up in a contextualized way where the therapist is very present and very skillful at being able to understand what was going on inside of the injurer's um, heart and mind that led them to, uh, to make certain choices, then um, it matters who you start the, st the second stage with. If you start with the, if you just do traditional straight up EFT where you start with the withdrawer, that works fine if the withdrawer is also the person who's been hurt, right? But if the withdrawer is the person who has caused the hurt, mm -hmm. it makes very little sense then. It doesn't seem at all safe to me to put the pursuer in a position where they have to um, listen to withdrawal re-engagement where they're talking about what they were going through that led them to take to make those decisions. I think that is, you know, the, what we need to do is we need to do the reverse. And so when I think about attachment injuries and I think about the process of forgiveness, I don't think about um, pursue withdrawal anymore, Annabelle. I think about, and I, I think about the injured and the injuring person. And stage two, I start with the injured person first. And I do a whole deep tangle where they get to explore in moves one and two, both of them explore what was going on in the relationship. And it is a bit tricky because it can bring them back a little bit to more escalation, but that's the point. We have to get them through this. We have to have just enough de-escalation to be able to do this second stage work. We start with the hurt person so that they can go down into their deep hurt. We help them process it. We help do some deep enactments of their pain, their sadness, their loneliness, their fear, their lack of trust. And then we get to do what we, that's step six, where we facilitate acceptance, empathy. We help facilitate a heartfelt, non-defensive expression of regret, authentic, heartfelt, and non-defensive expression of regret. Yeah. To, so that we can then do the equivalent of step seven, uh, where we, the person who has been hurt gets to ask for what they needed then and what they still need now. Yeah. That, then you can go back into a whole other tangle with right. the person who has caused the hurt and go through what was going on inside of them, which, by the way, it's what makes stage one tumultuous because mm -hmm. the person who has caused the hurt has been wanting their moment, this moment specifically, finally, to have an opportunity to talk about what they were going through. I'm not saying that it's always that way or that they're right. equal in terms of responsibility at all, but they sure. often is what triggers their defensiveness and their frustration and their anger. Right, because they want to clear their name in, in some ways. Like, I'm not this horrible person that you think that I am because of this thing that I did, right? right. And I see so some really excellent points that you're bringing up. And so... I know you said you, you sort of the conceptualization of pursuer withdrawing doesn't become so prominent for you when you're working on forgiveness in stage two when you're you're kind of going into attachment injury repair. And I can I can see some perks 
to that. And, and so let's sort of break this down. And for those of you who are sort of still wanting to follow Pursuer, which are kind of what I would think when you talked about being able to share the pain of the person who is injured, maybe part of that withdrawal re-engagement is not so much yet to where we're at the, you know, what, what were you needing at that time, you know, owning their needs and why they turned out and blah, 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 you know, that would be kind of a later bit, but maybe the engaging part is where they're able to be more present with their partner's pain and really engage with that pain to where now that pursuer, because being able to engage with their pain is also going to lead to a second, you know, like the second level of de-escalation where the, the partner's pain isn't this big block to everyone really figuring out what was really underneath all of this driving this injury. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's why I like that Sue Johnson is, you know, she's de-emphasizing the steps more and emphasizing more the tangle because it really is a series of deep stage two tangles. What we're going to start with though is a deep stage two tangle where the first and second movements of the tango are helping the couple to get to a place where they can tolerate a deeper attachment focused exploration, which also includes exploring the internal working model, the yeah. attachment uh, emotions and longings. And the first tango has to really be the person who's been most hurt, being able to really open up deeply about their pain, whether they are a withdrawer or a pursuer, that's who has to really start to talk about their pain. And we have to facilitate that kind of safe, a safe space, safe context for them to do so. We have to be able to facilitate an expression of regret yeah. so that in later tangles, we can give the injuring person an equal opportunity to drop down in a deeper way to talk about their pain that they have experienced or their loneliness that they've experienced. Right? Yes. And my sense is too, by, you know, leading off with the more injured partner and giving their, giving some space for their pain to be expressed and really understood. And that, again, that felt sense that the person who did the injuring really understands their pain, you know, it's going to help take some of the energy out of that pain. Because if you try to go into that deep withdrawal re-engagement where they're talking about their needs and whatever they needed before they went into the affair, like the more injured person is not going to be in a place to really hear that. So, you know, by giving them more space, you know, you might do a different level of withdrawal re-engagement where they're able to just tolerate their partner's pain and engage with that and really be able to stay present and, and be responsive to their pain in a way that that injured partner starts to get a little bit more healing like oh you do care about oh, my little light went off <laughs> oh you do really care about me mm -hmm. so yeah that's exactly right and so it is a series of of tangle processes and um as that happens couples are going to be able to feel um these approximated steps toward deeper and deeper understanding deeper and deeper empathy all that as a result of a skilled EFT therapist leading the way, guiding them through an, exp an exploration of the attachment themes and doing so in a, uh, in a vulnerable way, an exploration of the pain, the fear, the loss, the sense of, 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 um, of grief, really, and mourning, to be able to express that 
is a way is something that if done slowly, if done carefully, if done in a vulnerable way, the res- we can help lead the um, to lead the way to an empathic response on the part of the injuring person, which to the main topic at hand today is the key to forgiveness. Yeah. That's the key and, to forgiveness. Yeah. And, and often, I, you know, I love what you're saying about this key to forgiveness. And I think this is also where, you know, we might come back to, you know, facing that part where, you know, now I've got to take a risk to forgive my partner, to let go of that pain. And that myth may come back around that says, if I do this, if I let go of my pain, is it like saying my partner, what my partner did was okay? And often what I tell my clients is, your pain speaks to the fact that it's not okay. And, you know, being able to forgive does not mean that what you're saying is it's okay. It means I'm not going to let this have power over me anymore or the relationship. And it is a risk. And you mentioned this risk before about it's never going to happen again, or I'm never going to get hurt, which ultimately is, is a risk in any relationship that, that is separate from forgiveness. That is an ultimate love risk in any relationship is that you could get hurt, but that, you know, we have this felt sense of better security that we're not going to be hurt in this same way by the same thing. Well, exactly. And the, and the, and, um, I think that the best way to inoculate yourself, you know, to really be able to prevent yourself from feeling that is if you can really um, be as open as possible about the depth of your pain in a way that your partner really feels and really gets. And if you can feel them really empathizing and really getting your pain and feeling it, really experiencing um, then, if they um, then experiencing the partner empathically like that gives them an opportunity to say, "Look, you know what? My partner made a mistake. My partner is expressing regret. They are imperfect, and I don't know whether I will be hurt again or not. But right now, I am choosing to enter into this process of of forgiveness because I know that." The person who I would most want to turn to right now when I'm in most, in, when I'm so deeply hurt is still the person who, this person, my person, you know, so we say, you know, Dr. Michelle Gannon and I teach a whole type workshop and in our workshop during the forgiveness conversation, we, we often say, you know, the source of the pain is often the source of the comfort and the healing. And it's so true that even though our partner has hurt us, it's often the person who we want to go talk to about the pain that we feel. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're driven to protect that relationship, that attachment. That's, that's the function of, of an attachment system. And so even though they hurt us, we still want to go back and and get that repair. And and it's like only they can help the pain go away. Right. Right. Because they're matters most, even though they, they did the injury. Exactly. Right. Now, that is not a, a, a small matter, what you just said. I think that goes to the heart of it, which is it's especially you. I can go to a therapist. I can go to my priest. I can talk to my friends. I can meditate. I can walk. Um, 
I can go for these like long, long uh, hikes in nature just to feel myself and feel better and feel comforted. But nothing will, will take, take the place of what the person who I love who's caused the hurt can do for me. And seeing and hearing and seeing that, that they actually have um, compassion and regret and are learning and are really taking in with, you know, the enormity of what they've done, that can really, you know, bring down the walls, bring down the barriers and begin the process of trust again. Yes. And there's that, you know, that second part, which I, I call with, with some of my supervisees, I say that this, you know, attachment injury repair, the, the forgiveness, the thing is like a two pronged thing. First, can the person who's injured or been a source of pain be able to offer that comfort, that soothing, um, that repair? And the second prong is then when it's being offered, can I take it in, right? And that is that goes a really long way, even when the person who's, who has done the injuring, if they're doing everything that they should do to rebuild secure attachment in the relationship, you know, and one partner just says, yeah, they're giving it to me, they're giving it to me, but I just... Right. You know, yeah, that, but I just can't take it in. And the, I can't just, I just can't take it in is something that we really need to really consider. Um, because in, for many people, it's, it's because there's been a history of other traumas or a history of trauma with this particular partner. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's not their first, it's not their first one. You know, it's their second or third one or more. Or, it's someone who has had betrayal or trauma by others. Um, you know, the betrayal of not having someone who you really needed to be there for you, especially in an urgent time of need. Um, we, you know, many people experience this when they're children. And so they're more susceptible to having it be very painful and very hard to then trust and let go when it happens again, even if it's caused by not the same person, even if it's caused by a different person, a new relationship, or even just like an adult um, and a different adult when uh, we were children. If a different adult when we were children hurt us, um, we are going to be much more susceptible then to this. That's so true what you say. You know, I've had, you know, some clients where, you know, and I asked this in the intake session in their attachment history is, you know, do you know what it's like to be comforted when you have pain? And if they've never been comforted, you know, you're going to see that come up in stage two. A, it's, they don't have a template with how to comfort others a lot of the time. So that can become a barrier to how they try to reach out and repair to their partner in an emotionally responsive kind of way. But also, when somebody does offer them comfort and soothing when they're in a place of pain, they don't know how to take that in. They don't, they don't know what it's like to be soothed or comforted. So even though it's being offered, it's still hard for their body, for their wiring to say, this is a safe and good experience. Let's go with this some more. You're right. I mean, that's why so much of of early childhood trauma um, sets these templates um, that keep us defended um, 
and even when we find so that's why it's so it's you know loving is risky being yes. in a relationship is risky but the thing is if you don't want to feel the the pain that comes from trauma then you would almost have to not risk the um, experience of love because they go hand in hand you know pain and love are the flip sides of the same coin and so to avoid one you'd have to avoid the other and that's i say that to my clients i said you know i know that you know you could find a way to avoid pain avoid you could find a way to avoid the pain that you're feeling right now um, but it would mean also avoiding uh, the taking a risk again taking the risk to love and be loved um, and you know what sometimes that's what people decide that is a better gamble i'd rather be alone i'd rather not be betrayed i'd rather not feel um, um, hurt again ever again i don't even want even i don't want to risk the possibility and so yeah. um, i'd rather not go to not have a relationship not be in a relationship or stay in a distant relate stay distant in my current relationship that's the yeah. other thing is that oftentimes um, people will say look i'm not going to i'm not going to stop our um, i'm not going to stop a relationship I'm not going to uh, forgive you either mm. and we're just gonna stay in this in this we're gonna just stay locked in this way um, we're gonna stay stuck. Or, or, yeah very stuck. so yes. that's where I think the EFT therapist has a lot to say which is to be optimistic to be hopeful to um, and to be the voice that says guys there's more for you to do here. There's more that you can do. You can, you can get through this if you um, are willing to go to a place that seems scary right now and, and is scary. And it's yeah, vulnerable. That, that risk of loving. And, and you said something so important, and, and we could do a whole one. This will probably be a later podcast about avoidance, but it's so true. So many of our clients, you know, try to get the benefits of love while avoiding all the risks. And so they are completely guarded and they try to block themselves from feeling any pain. But what they end up doing is also successfully blocking themselves from feeling loved or connected. And then when they don't feel loved or connected in the relationship, they see this isn't working. Like I still don't feel connected or loved. I don't feel what I need to feel, even though they're not letting their guard down enough to be able to feel what they need to feel. So it's that catch 22, right? Precisely. Yeah. So how will, so let's, let's go back to, you know, so we're doing attachment injury repair. How will the EFT therapist know when forgiveness has successfully taken place? Good question. Um, I would say that you see a light, a lightening in their emotions. It's not that they're um, that they don't remember the pain. It's not like you know somehow we've done some kind of magic and the pain is miraculously gone. But it feels more like a distant, more distant experience. There isn't that charge experience that they used to have in stage one. Um, they can still, they still maybe, you know, they, they, they tear up when they talk about it, but there is a, it, it feels more like a, you know, like, like when you're remembering someone you've, you've lost, how that, that 
that sweet pain feels of like sadness and a, a disappointment, even longing. Um, it's a melancholic feeling, but it doesn't grab you in the same way. It doesn't, it doesn't trigger your anger. It doesn't trigger mistrust. It just feels like a achy pain in the distance. Um, but you can get on and you can feel and, you, uh, and express love for your partner who has hurt you. And, uh, and in some ways, that's how I know, like, okay, this is healing. It's not an event. It's a process. Forgiveness is not an event. They're in the process of forgiveness. And it's going to take a while. As long as they both are willing to look to, to not get reactive when either one of them wants to look at it. And I encourage both people to be, um, to, to be open and willing to return to the scene of the crime and to look at it again and to talk about it and to mention it and to not have it be this taboo subject from the past. But to be able to really, especially if you've been successful at helping the couple to contextualize both sides, then it becomes something that both of them can really team up together and be a, a you know a, a, a united front against it ever happening to them again. Because yeah. oftentimes, especially betrayal, I don't. I mean, I know that there are some betrayals that are just horrible and purposeful. Um, but oftentimes the betrayals come as a result of not of uh, very poor exploration and communication of needs and emotions. And um, people are, are struck sometimes. They're really surprised when they find out what was going on in the heart of the person who's caused the hurt. And also they um, sometimes they're quite surprised by how much their partner is, how hurt their partner is. The hurt person's, hurt is sometimes surprising to the person who has caused the hurt. And in some ways it's because they just, they just weren't thinking clearly or no, or they didn't know their partner deeply enough about what are the ways in which their partner views them and holds them and cherishes them. And um, in some ways it's like, um, it's, a, it's such a carelessness and it's such a, um, in some ways forgiveness is a way back to love, but, um, but, it's, but some things always remain dented and damaged. And you know, in some ways, I gotta say, um, there's a, a Japanese tradition of taking something that's broken, like a vase, mm -hmm. and putting it back together, and they do it with, with gold, and they, and, uh, or they cement it and then they paint it with gold. But a broken, um, something broken that's been preserved can be beautiful, right? And so um, we heal in the broken places, you know? And, uh, and this is something that can sometimes make relationships stronger. Yeah. Oftentimes I've had couples who have had better marriages um, in spite of having something so painful happen to them. And, you know, I love what you said about you know, so in the forgiveness process, it's not that the pain just magically goes away, we don't have amnesia, but, you know, it doesn't have as much power over the relationship, like the relationship is not stuck in the grips of this damage of this painful injury that occurred. And, and both partners, you know, they're able to say, yes, we suffered this, this damage, 
this hurt, but I love my partner despite the fact that this happened. I know that they're sorry. Um, I know that we're, we're working on it and we're going to do better, but you know, we're, we're still making it right. They're not, it's kind of like the sense of resolve that even though we have the pain, we're not stuck anymore. Right. We're not stuck behind right. it. Um, I, what I said a moment ago comes from a quote by, by Ernest Hemingway. And the quote is something that says, the world breaks everyone. And afterwards, we are made stronger in the broken pieces, in the broken places. And I think it's very true. I think, it's, I think that if we can give couples an opportunity to go through the hurt and to repair, to get to forgiveness, um, we might end up with a couple that feels closer and who can love each other um, so much more deeply and fiercely and who will fiercely defend it, maybe even more than before because they didn't realize how much they had to lose and how painful it was when they were facing the loss of it, you know? Yeah. So I think we are, as therapists, we are so privileged really to do this work, to get to this place where we're talking about things that are so, can be so destructive and without a process, a therapeutic process, it is destructive. Yeah. I, I don't really, I, I think that EFT is, is such a well-suited modality for, for attachment injuries and for working uh, on forgiveness. I really do. I think it's, it's, it's brilliantly um, um, designed to, to help us get to those deep emotional places in a safe way. Um, if we can elicit empathy, then we can, we can, get, we can approach, right? But if, we, if couples stay in a fearful place, they won't be able to empathize because fear blocks our capacity for empathy. That's right. So, um, our job is to make the process safe enough for couples to really open up to each other and get to know each other on a much more profound level than they probably ever did, ever, ever knew before. And the more you know about your partner, the more there is to care about. That's right. That's so well said, Sam. So beautifully said. Oh, thank you so much for bestowing us with, with these beautiful nuggets about forgiveness and really how sacred the journey is to be able to go through the healing process with couples and, you know, how it's such an important, you know, role for us as therapists and thank goodness we have EFT to help us with those attachment injuries and helping couples rebuild their bonds strong. You know, like, like Sue always says, EFT gets the heart of the matter better than any other model, you know, and, and when you're talking about relational injuries, we want to be able to get to the heart of the matter and help them heal. So it's so lovely, Sam. Now, so people have heard how awesome and wonderful you are now. So can you talk about where people can find you, how they can attend a training or maybe book you to come to their area and do a training? Um, you can find me at um, the San Francisco Center for Emotional Focused Therapy. The, the website is sfceft.com. Or you can email me at sfceft at gmail.com. Um, my other website is drsamhanich.com. Um, you, if you want to, um, if, if any of your viewers would like to see a Spanish, all Spanish webinar on uh, attachment and forgiveness and EFT, 
Um, I have a uh, webinar at, at samhinnage.teachable.com. And, um, and you I want to speak also... Spanish for maybe some of our viewers that do speak Spanish? Yes, para todos los, los eh, terapeutas de EFT que tienen interés en ver este programa acerca del apego y el perdón y cómo lo manejamos con la terapia focalizada en las emociones, pueden ir a samhinich.teachable.com. Ahí nos vemos. I love that. I love that so much. So you're in San Francisco. You work with Dr. Michelle Gannon up there as well. I've heard that your Hold Me Tights are pretty famous. I want to also um, add that. Um, Michelle and I teach and attach a uh, forgiveness training for therapists. You nice. can find out about the, the uh, forgiveness training for therapists and you can, and we, were, we would be happy to um, teach the forgiveness training for therapists. We've taught it in the Netherlands. Um, we've taught it all over the Bay Area and, and in uh, um, and in the um, Santa Cruz, Big Sur area, we've, we are um, also, we teach the Hold Me Tight Workshop. So that's the other one that I also wanted to mention. HoldMeTightWorkshop.com. If you are on the listserv, you've heard of Michelle and I teaching Hold Me Tights. We teach about 10 of them a year. And we'd be happy to have any of you come to, if you've taken course skills and completed course skills, you're welcome to come and even help assist us at our, at our workshop. We're always happy to meet new people who are doing this wonderful work around the world. That's amazing. And I have heard so many wonderful things about the way you guys do hold me tight. Apparently, hands down, you guys are the best. And, you know, I've just been told if you can have an opportunity to come volunteer and help out one of your hold me tights, guys, you should totally do it. <laughs> You're pretty happy to, to welcome you. And if you are interested, you know, I think our, we even have the website, um, forgiveness training for therapists.com. But you can find about um, if we once we we schedule another forgiveness training, we're thinking about scheduling one for this. We were thinking about scheduling one for this year, except that everything now has gotten delayed as a result right. coronavirus of the pandemic that we're in. But um, but you can find that information also at the San Francisco Center website sfcft.com. Um, if you're interested in the Hold Me Tight, it's holdmetightworkshop.com. But they can email you either way. And, you know, if they want to have you come out to their EFT community and teach the forgiveness training to their therapist, they can email you to coordinate that. Absolutely. And you can find that email through the website. Excellent. And I'll make sure that I post it in the description for this video on YouTube. And, uh, you know, those of you who are um, listening to the podcast version, yes, We Heart Therapy is now a podcast. You know, just make sure that maybe you take some notes while you're writing this down. You can capture Sam's email address and they can certainly Google Sam Hennich in San Francisco EFT and they should be able to find your site as well, I'm assuming, right? Absolutely, yes. Quite so. Excellent. Excellent. Sam, it has been such an honor and such a blessing to have you on our show today. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us about Thank you, Annabelle. It's been a real pleasure having this conversation with you. I really appreciate the invitation and hope you you, uh, do well during this challenging time. And of course, I I wish that for all of your viewers as well. Yes, and thank you guys so much. And and Sam, hopefully we'll have you back for another episode. It's just been such a delight today. And guys, thanks for dealing with my little light going out. Apparently it overheated and so it kind of burned out. So now I'm in the dark a little bit in the shadows on video. So sorry about that, guys, but thanks for bearing with us. And Make sure, guys, that you hit subscribe 
because more videos are on the way.